Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Come on. Oh, I said it's working. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So hi, Meredy. Hello, everyone. We are back today after a little bit of a break, and we are continuing with uh, how we got here. So today is our dad story. Yes. Um, I talk a lot about the subconscious mind and the like the deep seated beliefs that we have um, that often we're not really aware of. Um, and one of the ways that we can tune into where some of our stories came from is by like, what are some memories you remember as a child? And so around that work, figuring out what some of the stories are that I carry in the in the base of my mind is really a prominent story about my weight. You know, I've yeah. kind of like gone up and down in weight for a really long time. And it took me a while to figure out what it was. But whenever I go back to weight, the memory that comes up in my mind is a story of when I was six. And I was driving in the car with dad. Um, I remember it was like raining. I was in the front seat, no seat, because it was like the 80s. Um, and he said something about like, he said, you don't have to, um, like, don't worry if you're a couple pounds overweight. And that really created a story in my head that is like, I'm like, I'm fat. Okay. So don't worry if I'm a couple pounds overweight because I'm fat. Um, and I recognize that now, like I wasn't, I was six years old. I don't even think I was chubby when I was six years old. But one of the things that like I did talk to dad about that again is that I was chubbier than you. 
Yes, I was going to ask you, where did that come from, though? Why did he initially say that? What was the basis of it? Because I feel like that wasn't the first time that that kind of story had had surfaced for us. Right. And this is amazing because it was I was doing the book called Calling in the One. And I wasn't literally to call in the one, even though, I, in, you know, in the back of my mind, it was I just remember one of my friends told me, like, this is such a good book for personal development. Give it a try. And so I, I did, and, and one of the chapters was like, what are the agreements that you have? And I'm like, well, I know these ones very well, right? I've got like three main stories, like I'm unlovable. That comes from like the mom story, because, you know, I think of at that time, only the face a mother could love. Like the idea was a moms love their children. And then my messaging was my mom doesn't love me um, because I, that's how I felt. And then I don't belong because I didn't look like anybody else in the family. And people joked about me being a mailman's child. And then the third one was I'm a fat piece of shit. And so I thought, well, this is an agreement. And I clearly made this with my dad when I was six. So I messaged him and said, listen, I've done a lot of work around mom, but not you. So I am doing some work around you. And I just want to let you know, like, first and foremost, like I... I don't want to keep this, uh, this fat agreement anymore. You know, I have dealt with my weight up and down for my entire life. And I remember this story and I tell him the story. It was pretty amazing because he said to me, yeah, I remember like he remembered the day too. Yeah. And he said, you know, by that time, people were already talking about how Meredith should be a model. It was very like, competitive I guess I mean we didn't know it yet but it did become and he said then you know people were already saying that Mary should be a model she's so beautiful and like you didn't look like her (laughs) and it was clear that you know you had a different body type so the one thing is like everyone was thin at the time and uh, he saw that I clearly didn't have the same body type so he thought that if I tried to stay as thin as you I would be unhealthy or anorexic because my body wouldn't support being as thin as you are you have a thinner frame so that was amazing because it's like looking at oh well he was coming from a place of trying to like yeah trying to make it so I didn't but like one of the things that I have learned that I learned basically around the way that I taught my kids how to love themselves right Mm, side side story I I would tell them all the time I love you so much and I would make sure to touch them because I didn't like to touch and I would (laughs) tell them they could be anything that they wanted all the time and then you know my daughter started like cutting herself and like purging food and I didn't understand why and they would say comments like they were fat and they weren't and I don't understand why they would say stuff like that and yeah. one day I just realized, oh, like, and I, I said that I was like, I taught you. <laughs> I always said how wonderful you were and all those things. And then it came out like, but then while I was doing that, I was also calling myself a fat piece of shit. I was also saying like, delete that picture. I look fat. Oh, do I look fat in this dress? Oh, I'm not going to go. Out. I'd change 87. That So I taught them how to love themselves. It was the conversations that create these things with the kids. It's not just the conversations of, I love you. Listen to me. Children live or learn what they live. They learned by example instead. And not seeing that, I totally get that because we're unconscious of it. 
right? Role modeling, how to hate yourself. That's what I role modeled. Yes. Not how, and, and tell everybody else how wonderful they are. Yes. That's what yes. I taught them instead Love of everybody else. They were wonderful. Background. Yes. Yeah. So I, I definitely clued into, okay, that's cool of dad. And look at the story that, you know, I remember him. Yeah. I remember him though, when he was, he told me that, that there was a woman he was in love with. I won't say the name. Um, and that she was, she had the most beautiful body. Like she had the perfect body. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. He was six feet tall. She was like 99 pounds. She was literally skin and bones. Yeah. Like, like emancipated looking, like, like not even muscle on her body. Just, but I feel like back in the eighties too, that was also like the style almost then like fitness and gym wasn't a thing. It was the thinner you are, the better you are. I call them skinny fat, which is not to be offensive, but I was even that I was what I call skinny fat. Like, well, now what I, I like to like, even put it out, um, it's just like healthy. There's healthy and unhealthy, right? Like, so what you're saying is skinny fat is really like people that are sedentary, but still thin. Yes. Yes. And then it doesn't matter your age or your age, your weight or what you look like. The idea is like, are you active? Cause that's, what's important to keep your circulation going and your immune system functioning. So he also said like the perfect woman has a thigh gap. He yep. also commented on women that weren't that big and called them fat. And I, when I was there with you last time, a joke popped up in my head that he had told many of his friends and me specifically, like what's the useless skin oh, yeah. called around the, the vagina, the woman. Yep. So based on like, okay, I get what he was saying and I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate like where that came from. And I appreciate recognizing like, whoa, shit. I just ran with that for the, till I was 44. Well, it was more like 42 because then things started to change after that. But like, holy shit, dude, he role modeled that no matter what, I was going to be fat based on my frame. Yes. So this has been something that's like been between you and I, like when we were younger, I don't even think we knew, but like such competition, you know, you're always the beautiful one. And then I'm like the funny one. And yet here we are adults. And when I was there, and in fact, I kind of want to, and I want your permission to use it. I kind of would like to maybe put as this episode this current episode as one of the pictures is actually you and I doing our headstands on our paddle boards because the more because currently I can't even show you guys because we're using the phone but currently it's my background on my phone and if you look at it we look exactly the same we both have not thick legs but muscular legs and Lynn is one of the strongest women I've ever met in my life I'm not even joking like like if you were to have her as a power lifter she would kick ass she is fucking strong and within that we look essentially very similar I'm just slightly a little bit smaller than you are like that's it not thicker not like not fat not skinny we're both I'm a I'm a littler muscle person and you're a slightly bigger muscle person 
you're not fat, you're not overweight. And I feel like this is also a conversation you and I have had a few times growing up where I said, but you're not fat. You're not fat. You're not fat. And then I feel like one of the breakthroughs that happened was you and I went to Tony Robbins. And this girl, I have to tell you guys, she gets Tony Robbins doing his like interventions on her. Almost every time she goes, it drives me crazy because I'm the one who loves him. And she's like in there and he's like, you, we want you. And we went to um, Amsterdam and we were doing a Tony Robbins event. And he does this thing where he, he goes to like, a, he's like, who thinks they're sexy in here? And like the whole room raises their hand and they're like, me, 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 me. And so of course I was like, sure, me, me. And then he's like, okay, and who in here thinks that they're not? And Lynn just sat there because she knew what was coming next because <laughs> we had done one before. And so she wouldn't do anything. So I like grabbed her elbow and like shot it up in the sky and he saw me do it and he pointed to her. And so what he does is with the sexiest person in the room, he'll tell them, I could break you down. If I wanted to, I could make you feel ugly. And he won't do it because he knows that that'll carry with them forever. But he wants them to know in a way that like, I could break that out of you, but also watch me break it out of someone else. So he goes and Lynn's the one, he's like, who said that they weren't sexy? And she's like, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare. And I was like, threw her hand up again. And she's like, I hate you. And, uh, he totally pointed her out. He's like, get her a mic. She needs to be on here. And he basically like came over to her and said, tell me why you think you're not sexy. And she was like, well, I mean, and she points to me and he's like, yeah, she's a great looking girl, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you, why do you think you're not? And this is, I want to say six months, five months after you would come back from India and shaved your head. Right. And so she wasn't styling her hair. She wasn't doing anything. She just kind of shaved her head, kept it shaved um, wasn't wearing the most flattering clothes because I feel like at that point she had kind of given up on herself. Um, but heavy. at the same time, that doesn't that doesn't change it. She's still beautiful, but she'd kind of given up on herself. And so he did a few things and he was like, let's talk about why that could be untrue. And Lynn was like, well, I mean, back in the 60s, Marilyn Monroe was the most beautiful woman in the world and she was a size 16. Is that right? Yeah, something like that, 14, 16. And so- yeah. And so Lynn brought it up and said, like, this could make it so it's not true. And he had a whole like breakthrough intervention conversation with her. And I feel like him starting that really initiated something in her. But then the entire room of 2,500 people had to come over and tell us how we looked like twins, how there was absolutely no reason that she should feel any less beautiful than me because we looked exactly the same. That she that some people some guys were like but we really like it a little thicker and you know things like that like they there was suddenly 2500 people telling her how beautiful she was and how her energy was more beautiful than anything they had ever seen and it started to create this change in her and then suddenly i'm not gonna lie we went we were in amsterdam so we went to a cafe now a cafe in amsterdam is like a pot smoking place so we went in there and we purchased a doobie and we sat down and we were drinking coffee while our laundry was being done. And this guy sat down with us and they love Canadians there. So they were like, where are you guys from? And we tell them and all of a sudden everybody's talking to us. And this guy is like, are you guys twins? And I was like, dude, that how many times have we been told that now? And it was like, we'd never really, like we did look alike. I wanna say we did. Cause when I look at pictures now, I look back and I see similarities. But I feel like after that, it was like all of a sudden, all of the same features popped out of your face and suddenly we looked the same. 
And everybody was asking us on the entire trip, which we took three weeks for this trip, everyone was talking to us about how we looked like twins. And you suddenly rolled into being willing to work on, you know, like, yeah, she had a shaved head, so let's get a haircut. Let's make you feel beautiful. And then we went shopping and I feel like every piece of clothing we picked out, you were like, oh my God, I love this. Oh my God, I love this. Oh my God, I love this. And it's really started this piece where you started to be okay with what you looked like. I feel like that was a really great start for this journey for, for you to start liking yourself and for you to see that we really do look a lot alike and that I was never any more beautiful than you. It's just the way we carried ourselves. There was that piece where I was always called conceited by our by my mom when we were kids because of the fact that for some reason I was born liking myself, liking my inside and my outside. I just always kind of had that. And my sister would make jokes about, oh, with this one boyfriend I had, she's like, oh my God, you two must fight over the mirror because we were both like, we're so, so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> so... I feel like that was a good start. So Lynn, why don't you share with us kind of how that started to impact you and then where you've kind of come from there, as well as other things that we heard when we were kids that like, that we can even talk about like my boudoir pictures. If you want to get into that, I'm down for that too. And the conversation we had in September. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the self-love journey has been interesting um, because after the conversation with dad, um, things started to shift for me. Um, I had a situation where I was on, so that conversation, I think it was probably in January of 2022, maybe, or maybe 21. I'm not quite sure. Um, I can't remember, but I rem it was like six months later, I did a teacher training and then a month after that, I did another teacher training. That teacher training went for like kind of a shit for shit yeah and um I didn't I didn't handle it very well my grandmother died like the training wasn't going well I was burnt out there was a lot going on um and uh I I stopped eating I got so stressed I really stopped eating at the, the last couple of weeks of the teacher training and so when I got home to the con to the condo that I owned at the time I was like eating for one right so I cooked some roasted veggies and some chicken and I remember there's just a little bit left and it was like wow fuck it I'll just eat it and I ate it and I was so full like so full like so ridiculously uncomfortably full and I was like this is distracting like I'm so uncomfortable with how full I am that I can't think of anything else other than how uncomfortable I am. And it hit me that that was for me for the longest time, that was the feeling that I was full. And in that moment, because I had shrunk my stomach so much and it was so uncomfortable, I recognized like, no, that's the feeling of being over full. And because I haven't been disconnected or because I haven't been connected to my body, because I feel unsafe in my body, because I fucking hate it so much. Yep. I've never taken any cues from it. So I immediately like, okay, thank you for the stomach shrinking. But from that moment on, my eating changed. I didn't want to eat all the time. I'm like, we eat so much. I'm just constantly in this like heavy sluggish phase of having eaten too much. 
So I started to change the way that I ate, which immediately affected my physical body. I started to lose weight. Yeah. And then what happened was I actually wanted to do more. Like I told my friend, I don't want to go on like to a resort in Mexico and sit around. I want to like be physical. And so she invited me on a couple adventure trips in which we rode bikes for 32 kilometers per day. We hiked for 2K, which isn't that much. We did like kayaking of 6K. Like we were always doing very active things. It felt so good that I decided that I'm going to run a marathon. Yes. And so the weight has almost been like dripping off of me. And it's not from a place of like where it used to be of like, I hate my body and I want to lose weight. It's like listening to my body, which then brought me to when I was there in September and kept up my running. I was like, you know, it's funny because what I recognize is I've been obsessed with my body. It's been big. It's been little. It's been all the things in between. I've always just like hated it, but I've also been like incredibly obsessed with it. And then we were talking and that was kind of like a piece that would come up as like, oh, Mary's so conceited. So there's a part of you being obsessed with your body, yet there was like this opposition, right? Of like looking good, of like working out, of being in the gym. And so I, I had this epiphany of like, holy fuck, this is how dad as a role model affected me. And this is how dad as a role model affected you. And this is such a perfect example of coming from dis- different perspectives of our own healing because yours was affected in the way of, oh my God, I'm fat and I'm going to stay fat. And mine was affected in the way of like, I need male attention, but at the same time, don't come near me, fuck off. You know, like I was, I was always, um, I don't know the word to use here because I don't want it to come across wrong, but I was always like, I don't need you. I don't need your attention. But at the same time, seeking out that attention in a different way because also I was so used to getting that attention from men whether it was my dad's friends who would give Lynn a dollar for getting them a cup of coffee and they would give me a five dollar bill for getting them the exact same cup of coffee so in weird ways I had that male attention they weren't I want to say most of them weren't creepy so when I say that I'm not like saying my dad's friends were all slime balls that's not what I'm trying to say but I guess in some ways, some people could take it that way. Um, I didn't, I never felt like, like these 30 year old men were looking at my 12 year old body and being like, Ooh, I want to, you know, I didn't feel that, but I did have a, a, a male attention spotlight on me and, and not just male, because there was also females. We would go to our grandmother's store and there would be people, even when we were, I want to say in our early thirties, we went to our grandmother's store and we had our kids with us and people were telling us how beautiful our daughters were because all of them are incredibly beautiful girls. And this woman was like, wow, Meredy, you stayed beautiful. And then looked at Lynn and was like, you're beautiful too. Meredy, I just, and I was like, in that moment, I just looked at Lynn and was like, holy shit, I understand what you have been going through all this time. And I never noticed it before. And it was unfair because when we, when we're there again, we look very similar. Yes. Now we have short, both have short hair, but we still look very similar. So it was a really interesting thing also because of that. And that, that need for attention, um, Lynn brought up a conversation to me and said, are you open to having like a really hard conversation? Because there's many times we've talked about the fact that like, I don't feel like I have that much dad trauma and because of the fact that when I was 16, I felt like he stepped up in all the ways when I needed him to. And he did. 
but I would post my boudoir photos. I would post these pictures of me looking super sexy and I would use the excuse, well, my body is covered in tattoos and I want to show it off. It wasn't about my body. It was about my tattoos. And yes, I go to the gym and yes, I work out. And there are various times where I've gone to the gym for an addictions purpose or because I felt fat or now because I'm trying to heal a, a level of pain and phys physical pain in my body that I don't want to be 60 and in the kind of pain I've been in in my past. So there's different levels of places that I've been going to the gym. But the one thing I can say about going to the gym is that it's been my mental health place. It's always helped me to release my frustration and my angers. But I no longer post those photos or videos anymore. I no longer have, if you're going to see me, I'm going to be fully dressed in my, in my photos. And it was along the lines of you saying something like, um, being that I'm single, what is that... Like the guy that you would be looking for, Mayor, would he want you posting those photos? And I was like, oh, shit, no. Because the guy that I would be looking for would want those photos for himself. He wouldn't want those for everyone else to see because he would want them for himself. They would be more important to him. And that was the point that you were trying to make to me is like, why are you posting them then? Because the guys that are commenting and the guys that are coming around because of these photos aren't the ones you want anyways. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, that was a hard conversation to have because you really have to look at yourself and look at why you're doing what you're doing. And it felt gross. Like it felt pretty gross, but I was able to look at myself and be like, you know what, Lynn, you're right. Now I can see some of that trauma from, from the things that I heard. And it was just so interesting because the same words that would go to Lynn would go to this is why you're not perfect and almost go to me as this is how you become perfect yeah 100% like nailed it yeah so it ended up being a really great conversation that even she didn't want to have because she brought it up to her fiance and was like hey I feel these and he was like why aren't you talking to your sister about it and he she was like that's a really hard conversation to have and he was like you guys have hard conversations all the time have the conversation and we did. And it was actually a really, I'm really glad that she brought it up because it brought up so many things for me to look at. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I feel like too, when we're talking about these things, I, I there is very different traumas between the two. And it's not that like our, another piece of, of dad was that he wasn't really around as much. Not that he abandoned us, but he did, all he did was work. Mom, all she did was work, but she worked from home. So we saw mom all the time and we were always in her face and we didn't see dad as much. So there's a bit of that like, like difference in the trauma. And it's not, I'm not saying that like one person was a worse person than the other, but I feel like for me, I've been able to have conversations with my dad and work through some of the trauma that I've had with him. And if there was an issue, I've always been able to call him and be like, look, I'm pissed off about this. And then we have a conversation. He's done a lot of personal work. And even he was here in October and we sat down and talked about some of these things. Like I said, Lynn and I had this really interesting conversation and he was just like, wow, Lynn and I had a really interesting conversation around that as well in a different way. And I was like, so we're probably going to like talk about this because this is really 
our two perspectives coming together on one thing that was said, but having the biggest thing I learned from this is having, being able to go to that person and having that conversation with them to understand why they said what they said or did what they did really helps you to understand. It doesn't take away the trauma. It helps you understand that maybe they weren't coming from the place that you thought they were coming from, you know, like dad doing it to you. He didn't do that to make you feel fat, to make you anything. He was coming from a place of love and it hit you in a different way. So it's really interesting to me. And I think, you know, I see this quite regularly is also the like understanding that the immediate place that I go to, because of course I'm a fat piece of shit, is that like, oh my God, I got it all wrong. My dad's such a great guy and I'm such a piece of shit for thinking this all the time. But what I have to see is like, that's a six-year-old girl. Yes. He is, has created a story and everything that I did then was to confirm that story. So it's yeah. also a big deal that needs to be healed. And so if yeah. I imagine myself as a six-year-old in front of myself, and then I'm like, well, he was actually just trying to protect you. The six-year-old is being gaslit in that moment. Yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah. Like I still yeah. have to be like, I would love for you. I, I agree. I would love for you to give us. So I watched one of your uh, friction yoga um, uh, YouTube videos and it was regarding um, self-responsibility. And in it, you were teaching them about their subconscious and their conscious. Can you kind of give us a little bit of that right now? Because this, is, this feeds so perfectly into what we're talking about right now in you know, like a little deeper, I guess, into how those stories that were in your subconscious surface as your conscious and that you feed into those stories. Can you give us a little bit more? Because that video was really insightful. Insightful. Yeah. And we can make that video like a full podcast too, because I could talk on that in the nervous system forever, but like to to bring it up so that you I can feel start. Like, I feel like I felt like I was attacked, even though I know I wasn't. <laughs> Everybody does. Don't right? worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that it, this is a really great place to start by the time we're done. This is finding out what it is that your stories are, because there's yes. about three main ones um, and everything that you do is circled around that. And if you're not aware of it, then unfortunately you're doing it and you're not aware of why. So, you know, you're a baby and you're born. And when you're a baby and you're born, you're an empty vessel. Like you don't know anything. You can't even lift up your own head, right? So you don't come into this world believing in God. You don't come into this world being a Christian or a yogi or um, thinking that the Taliban is bad. Like I'm just throwing random shit yes. out there. But like you don't, any belief that you currently have, any value that you currently have, anything culturally like labely anything that was all taught to you none of it's yours like literally none of it yes and that's really fucking like oh which means that you can change and you can choose and learn. You can do whatever you want so yeah. you're born you're an empty vessel and that empty vessel is your subconscious mind so think about this as a child like you don't consciously think you don't think oh i shouldn't do this when you're six right <laughs> 
you don't develop a conscious mind until like between the ages of nine and 12. So as a little child, you're like a sponge and, and who's filling that sponge? Like who's the tap that's filling that sponge is the people that you spend the most amount of time with. So usually your parents, right? They tell you, this is good. That's bad. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like how we learn to express our emotions, right? Back in the 80s, when you throw a temper tantrum, how many people were lucky enough to have a parent that was like, please express yourself. It's okay to be unhappy when you don't get what you want. Oh, it was like, you're bad. Go to your room. Spanking. You're getting a spanking. Like, be good. Right? Yeah. So it's unacceptable. We're... Right? Totally. Go in your room, like get locked in. Your emotions are too much right like these kind of things and so all of that's implanted and i i like to think of it like you can be as emotionally attached to it as like the day that you learn to put your pants on right mm -hmm. there is no day like nobody remembers the exact day when their parents are like put this leg in first you know pull the pants up halfway put the other leg in or like how do you do it maybe you're not even aware of the fact that you fucking do it but it's there and you're doing it every single day and the way that you learn started when you were born because your pants were put on you now the sleeper whatever that looks like one leg in the other leg in zip it up like button it up you were taught that so not only were you taught just by like having it done to you right you also watched your parents put their pants on Yes. When you had more mobility, you know, you were a part of putting your own pants on. And then at some point, one day it's like, you put your own pants on. That's how you learned. It wasn't directly like, you know, the, put the right foot in the right pant leg, pull it up. No, you learn just like tying your shoes or figuring out the right feet. Like that's it. So your beliefs and your values and your morals, they're fucking taught to you. Just like putting on your own pants. Yes right you learn oh that doesn't feel comfortable or like oh yeah I like that but like also like be good be good this is good this is good do this good girls do this bad girls do this so, so then it's cemented in whatever you thought so I'm fucking six right I'm fat I'm four and I figure out I'm unlovable I'm eight and I'm the mailman's child so I don't belong like it's cemented in there and now we have a conscious mind. So the conscious mind can accept and reject. The subconscious mind can only accept. So now we've got thinking going on. So if I have always been told like, this is bad, don't do this. This is bad, don't do this. This is bad, don't do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, I can do that. I'm gonna reject it. Because consciously, I can pick my thoughts. So a great example is my story of being a fat piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I'm a fat piece of shit. So you know what kind of person I'm going to attract in, right? <laughs> I mean, this before partnership, it would be friendships, right? And the idea is like, because that's a belief that I have in my head that's ingrained, the conscious thoughts that I'm going to accept are only the ones that actually like cement that I'm a fat piece of shit. So I'm probably going to be friends with skinny people. So I can be fatter than them. Yeah. Right. When I get a partner, I'm going to get a partner that like, I don't know, settled. But like checks out porn mags of tiny women with big tits, like not me. 
So how is that working? Watches porn with, you know, porn stars of the 90s and the 2000s, which were very thin framed with big fake boobs and perfect everything. And that's what I'm competing against with my husband, right? Like, of course, I'm just like feeding every thought that I pick is like, if he says I'm beautiful, what I think is, what do you want? I won't let in that thought I'm beautiful. He's just saying that because he wants something. I'm a fat piece of shit. I know this. You know this because clearly you're not watching Chubby Girls fuck. Yes right and then moving on like from there like what kind of people am I going to pull into my life to continue to cement the story that I have until I'm aware of the story yes and this is it like your ego those places those memories that's where you stop (laughs) so when we move into like a trauma response of like I'm in a fight and I don't know someone says something about what I look like I'll immediately be triggered to be back and act like a six-year-old yeah. because that's where I got caught in my growth around this certain thing. And the gift, this is personal responsibility. The gift is this is us allowing to see where we're at. Oh, look at it. You just think you're a fat piece of shit when your partner tells you that they, that you're beautiful. Maybe there's some healing that could happen here. but we don't see it that way instead we make up stories and fights but we're not even gonna get into that so like the very first thing that we can do to start to make a big shift in our lives is to figure out what our stories are because if I say I want a million dollars right the universe is like babe yes yep I think I have to create it I don't creation's complete Everything I desire is here. I don't need to create a million dollars. It's already here. I just need to pull it into my reality. Yep. So as soon as I say that, the universe is like, okay, also, here's why you don't have a million dollars, babe. So fix this thing. And most of us as humans are like, oh my God, my car broke down. Now I can't afford to do that business coaching. Okay, so here we go. So you give up really easy. Okay, that's why you don't have a million dollars, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Why me? everything always happens to me it's like yeah because you're not willing to work through it so we're just going to stay right here then okay and remind you until you get it and so really getting it is like the opportunity to look at the stories and change the stories so that's it like do you know what's really interesting about what this has just brought up for me which I don't know if I mean I feel like I've acknowledged it before but I didn't acknowledge it until just now which is super cool um my whole life and I know you've heard me say this before I don't even have to try to get an A minus I don't have to try. I don't really even, I never really had to put effort in. I never really had to study too hard. You know, like I just had that intelligence level. I never had to. So now I'm looking at this going, oh, like right in this moment, I'm going, oh, when I have to work harder at it, I get irritated. And and what I'm referring to, and you'll totally get this, is within my addictions business, I have been doing some follow-ups. And COVID has really put a kink in my success rates. I have to tell you, like blown me away, made me be like, why am I doing this? What's the purpose? You know, like it's made me question it for sure. That being said, it's also taught me a lot. It's taught me where I can improve my business, how I can really reiterate to people. Like I'm offering you follow-up support. I'm offering you follow-up treatments. You didn't just come in for this quick fix. 
So, and I even sent something to my social media guy saying like, how can we make this more realistic? Because yes, we have 95% success rates within the gold package and the people who use the support and the four treatments. But the reality is that my 95% success rates are probably in less than 50% of the people because only 50% of the people are using the treatments and the service the way they're supposed to. So how can we put this as a realistic smack in the face of, yeah, I have incredible success rates. If you do the work. For me, it's like, it's like walking into a gym, paying for a membership and then walking out and being like, well, I'm still fat. So give me my money back. Right. Right. Like it doesn't work that way. And not just that, but you don't go into a rehab center and then leave and go, oh, I used again. Can I have my money back? So it's really, this though is bringing all of those up to the surface for me in, but I've never had to really try to accomplish an A minus. And yet how hard does the majority have to work just to get to that A minus? So when I put my effort into something, I'm at an A plus. Most of the time though, I was so tired of being nagged at and poked at and shit that I just do just the bare minimum. Well, for me, the bare minimum is an A minus. For the majority of people, because we both were given the gift of a genius IQ, the majority of people, they don't put effort in and they're at maybe a C plus, right? So now looking at this, I'm not trying to be rude. It's it's like a, oh, don't no, it <laughs> <laughs> The new iPhone update, man, I don't even know. Um, but so for me looking at like, how can I support these people in getting from an A plus or from a, from a C, a C plus to an A minus or an A plus? Mm-hmm. How can I help those people? How can I make that real for them? So it's kind of a beautiful thing. Like go figure the universe align this conversation to happen because I've been really struggling with this and the people who are suffering or the people who aren't, you know, they weren't successful. That being said, all of them I've offered anybody who said, no, I send up a follow-up message that says, I just want to no pressure, but I want to throw it out there that if you want to come back, I'm willing to give you a discount like a decent discount on this. And do you know that probably 85% of those people have said yes? Well, if the treatment didn't work for you, then why would you say yes? Because clearly they felt something, but they weren't ready. And maybe they're going to come when they feel more ready. So by that time, I will have also found some more ways to improve myself and my business. But thank you for that conversation because I think that's going to help a lot of people understand things. And again, that just brought up another belief story that I have in my life. Like this one was more of a positive belief, but there are the, you said the three main ones are that are negative. And then you're probably also going to have three positive ones as well. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, we really look at the negative ones so that we can get clear on them because we don't really have to work on the positive ones. Why would we even fuck with them? You know what I mean? But like, if you think about that. Well, if the way I'm thinking about it is if I were to do it, then my million dollars is going to be here. Exactly. Like you don't have to try so hard. If we look at that in a lot of different ways, it's like you, I mean, you do need to work on your body in order for it to stay fit and healthy. But like, if you didn't, you're still thin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like schoolwork, um, efforts. Like, I mean, we as a family are all entrepreneurs, like every single one of us. And relatively um, successful entrepreneurs, yes, all of us. All of us. Yes. Yeah. Like so it's it's interesting that like those are, yeah, those are really important. So people at home, you want to figure out what your stories are. Literally, my question to you is why don't you have a million dollars? 
Yes. And so it's time to like, okay, like, where do you go? I don't have enough time. Well, then let's look at that. If you don't have enough time, that's external circumstances. And so you're just not taking personal, personal responsibility, responsibility for anything. It's not your fault. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You and become the victim. It, like, and, and when you're the victim, you have zero power to change anything. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned in all of this personal growth stuff is you can sit in the victim for a minute and feel sorry for yourself. But then you need to come out of that and take your power back. And as a victim, there is no power. None. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, if you look at like, on uh, like some of the circumstances, like the other day, I'm here at teacher training and I said, I asked the same question. And one of the girls said, well, I buy the lottery ticket every week. <laughs> I'm like, so what's that? And she's like, well, I'm unlucky. I'm like, okay. So there's one of her stories, right? And then someone else said, I need to do more. Well, then that means you're not doing enough because you're not enough, right? Yeah. Someone in Yogapreneurs, the, the business um, group that I run, she said, because she's not an athlete. And so when we started like breaking that down, well, where does that come from? It was like, then it comes back to this competition with her brother who really was like, an athlete. She, yeah. he was scouted, he He's the one that's the athlete, not her, even though she was scouted as well. So it was like, okay, she's not good enough. And then she said, so she needed, oh, she needed to change her role in school. So then now she's not an accountant. So she's not good with money. And I'm like, well, let's dig into that. It came out. She's not smart enough. Oh. Right. So this is how you can go. Don't just be like, oh, I'm not an accountant. So I can't have money. Well, guess what? Some fucking accountants have money. Some accountants don't. Yes. So it's not being an accountant. Now, what is it that you can take responsibility for, right? Yes. And that's it. Like, I need to do more because I'm not enough. Yes. And that so, one is going to be, I feel like, the core of almost yeah. all of us. It, yeah. Yes, it's brought on by your parents, but also that's brought on by you. You decided by the way they were telling you that you, were, yeah. you weren't enough. So how can you be enough? Because I feel like that's the core of us all. I'm not enough. And when I'm not enough, I'm not lovable. I'm a failure. Yeah. And I suck. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that is a really great place for us to stop. I think we should do another podcast though in, right? I feel like we should do another podcast though that kind of maybe digs into this. I feel like this is a good, yeah. good podcast for a lot of people that would help them to be able to make some changes in their life and improve their lives. Right. I have a PowerPoint and can even do that. Yes. <laughs> then you guys will have to watch it and listen to it on yeah. YouTube because then you can see our faces and our PowerPoints. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you, Meredith, for sharing and for and, this podcast. And thank you for you, for everything you do, as well as thank you guys all for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness, or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Meredith Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. 
stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always. Thank <laughs> you.